Hello and welcome to the Fantasy Life Podcast. I'm your host, Ian Harditz. It is a great day to be great. Happy draft season, and we have 10 tips to help you out in really any fantasy football draft. I know they come in all shapes and sizes, dynasty, auction, snake, tight end premium, whatever. You've done it, we've done it, we've all done it. But 10 general tips from myself and the one, the only, Fantasy Life's finest, Chris Allen. Chris, we got 10 tips today, just spreading some knowledge. Let's freaking do it, man. I don't know how you're this lively after this past weekend, bro. Uh, like this, for, for the folks, for the folks that don't know, uh, the Fantasy Football Expo going on in Canton every year around this time, uh, and the Fantasy Life crew. I mean, we showed out without a doubt. Uh, I mean, everybody from I mean Elliot Jordan Fiegelman. Uh, I mean, you were there. Dwayne was there. I mean, Matt Freeman, Kendall. I mean, the uh, the graphics folks like Nick James. I mean, the whole crew was there. But of course, you get enough analysts together you get enough fantasy football enthusiasts together and there are going to be some good times had some uh you know there was there was some imbibing of some of some of some <laughs> you know some liquids and uh well into the wee hours of the morning so i don't know how you're this lively because uh after this weekend i need a vacation just from taking that vacation but it was it was dope seeing you dope seeing everybody else that w was able to make it up to canton but yeah it's we're really getting into the thick of preseason right we've got tape on some of the rookies we have at least a decent understanding about how some teams want to operate right we're pulling at straws here to figure out how each team is going to go so as redraft managers get into their home leagues get in their high stakes leagues or whatever the case may be right, we're here to drop some knowledge on them and take some of the tips that we've learned after doing how many mock drafts how many best ball drafts try and convert that to redraft and see if we can help out the folks let's see what we can do man Chris, man, if playing cards with the boys till 4 a.m. is wrong, I don't want to be right. And that's all I'll say about that. Back to the task at hand with these 10 tips. Chris and I are going to go back and forth. And yeah, hopefully try to help you guys win some money, win some championships in fantasy football. That's what it's all about after all. So first things first. You've heard me say it before, but I'll say it again. Don't hate the player, hate the ADP. We have such a strong tendency as humans and as people to really remember the things that screwed us last year. And then accordingly to really, you know, just fall victim to kind of the sunk cost fallacy and just like not fully realizing that, you know, something already happened. It's in the past. You can't let that impact your future decision-making. And while I'm applying to it here is players that again, burned you last year, but they also burned you last year because you drafted them way higher than you have to now this year and i have four pretty clear examples of this first up someone that i believe chris that you didn't completely feature in your late round qbs but still had some good stuff to say about him russell wilson i mean looking mm -hmm. at him last year going literally ahead of if not you know equal guys like dak prescott and kirk cousins now going multiple rounds later standing as the qb 18 so look i would very much so prefer to have you know my first qb well before russell wilson is you know getting to the line of things but super flex leagues two qb leagues He's now going at the bottom of the tier, you know, next to guys like Jared Goff and Derek Carr, who when Russ has been at his best in another stratosphere than those guys as a fantasy asset. So now that we do have Sean Payton pulling those strings, really, guys, we try to look towards 2023 and try to forget about that 2022 season as much as you can when it comes to that Broncos offense. 
Another couple quick guys, someone that Chris told us about back in freaking April. We don't need to keep on harping on him too much, but Antonio Gibson, someone that this time last year, guys, he was going pick 58, even though we had my mans out there. It's a kick return team, you know, getting one bad news after another in August. Now going outside of top 100 picks. I have drafted Gibson as a top three running back all offseason long. Deontay Johnson, someone similar where it's like, if you only want to hold 2022 against the guy, why not go back 12 more months and you'll find him as the wide wide receiver eight in PPR points per game as great as George Pickens touchdown was in that first week of the preseason. We saw Deontay do Deontay things and that is be a target hog three targets in Kenny Pickett's short time under center even got a little pre, uh, you know training camp note today that he has just had a fantastic training camp there as sexy as some of those George Pickens highlights are and finally Gabriel Davis someone that last year yeah burned you. Same thing with Deontay Johnson. You drafted him as, you know, a mid to low end wide receiver two, and they returned, you know, borderline wide receiver three value. But Chris, when all of a sudden Gabe Davis is priced as that borderline wide receiver three, let's take a bit longer approach to looking at the clear-cut number two wide receiver in a Josh Allen-led offense that has accordingly produced the single most expected fantasy points for all wide receivers over the past three seasons. So Gabe Davis, Deontay Johnson, Antonio Gibson, Russell Wilson. I mean, Deontay's now finally carrying a round five price tag, but the rest of these guys, we're talking about, you know, round seven pick for probably Gabe Davis, round nine or 10 for Gibson, and Russ is going even later. Don't hate the player, Chris. Hate the ADPs. And I like those ADPs. I like them too. And honestly, when you bring up uh, the Denver offense as your first example for Russ, I'm thinking about just the fact that we're liking Jerry Judy, right? Got about a round four-ish ADP. A number, a number of folks have been targeting him at the wide receiver position for pretty much the entirety of the offseason. You yourself, you were just talking about Cortland Sutton being a potential bounce-back wide receiver for this for the upcoming season. So, all right, so there's some hype there around Sutton being the, I mean, the X receiver, the contested catch guy, downfield catcher for Russ. But then also, we like Samaj P. Ryan. We like Javante Williams. All four of those guys are involved in the passing game, and all that value has to intersect at who? Russell freaking Wilson. So, I mean, right now, him going at QB 18 right now, according to our ADP, if you go over to fantasylife.com and look at our ADP and also our consensus ranks, he should be one of those guys that you should be able to stream if we're looking at this from a redraft standpoint. So, I mean, if he's going to be one of the guys that's going to be left out after you get through your, the entirety of your draft, try and see if you can take a look at his schedule, see which match matchups might favor the passing game or just favor Russ having a good matchup. And I definitely think he's a perfect example of a guy that you can either pick up off the waiver wire, use in like a streaming type situation and come out on top if you're looking to at least apply the streaming strategy for 2023. By the way, this is not an actual tip, so we're already going off schedule a little bit, uh, Chris. But one thing, just again, Russell Wilson, if he's your first quarterback, you happen to be drafting, like you're waiting really, really late. Okay, in that instance, I get taken too. But guys, if you are going to use the opportunity cost of getting, you know, a Lamar Jackson, even honestly up to like a Trevor Lawrence type of player in those first six, seven rounds, you don't need to draft a second quarterback. Don't do it. You can get him on the waiver wire in a freaking month or two. You already used a high pick. Let's face it. If Trevor Lawrence, if Joe Burrow doesn't work out, you know, that's not great for your fantasy team in the first right. place. But let's not double down on that. Because again, first or last mentality. And I would apply that same exact advice to the tight end position. If you're using an early mid-round pick on him, only take one. Use that opportunity to go ahead and just reinvest in more running back handcuffs later in the draft. But Chris, on to 
our number two tip here. You want to just note that the first round changes everything. Love this note because again, as much as we want to, you know, zero in, have our zero RB or anchor RB strategies. And I have my preferred strategies, Chris, but you know, the first round, as you say, can change everything. Be like water and adjust to what happens in that first round. And that's exactly it. Uh, if some folks get a chance, go ahead and take a look on fantasylife.com. I wrote a more or less my draft process from the 103 position. And while I think personally, there's only like a few options, right? If you get to the third overall spot, it's really only, I mean, Justin Jefferson, Jamar Chase, and CMC. In PPR leagues, that's typically who falls like almost in that order. And so if it, things get wild, you get one of the two elite wide receivers, okay, cool. But if you wind up taking a guy like Christian McCaffrey at the third overall pick, which is my personal preference, understand what that does for your roster and like the positional allocation that's involved. Because if you take a running back in the first round, think about the running backs or wide receivers that are going to be available once it comes back to you in the second round. I mean, who would you rather have, Ian? Would you rather double up at the running back position? Uh, you've got, what, Derrick Henry, potentially Ramondre Stevenson. I'm thinking about a couple other guys. I mean, shoot, Brees Hall maybe has been going in like the second, third round now. But all those guys don't really have a ton of upside, at least, as compared to some of the wide receivers that are being drafted there. T. Higgins, Devonta Smith. I mean, those guys have, at least, even if you want to go to the onesie position, you can get Mark Andrews. Uh, Pat Corain just wrote up Mark Andrews being the tight end that checks all the boxes that, in, that dropped in today's newsletter. So just for me, if I wind up making the a selection in round one, whether it's a running back or a wide receiver, I'm automatically thinking about what's what I'm going to do in the se in the second round because all of those decisions that you make they should inform what you do later on in the draft. So just again, the first round changes everything that you're going to do like once you once you get out of that first pick, and so being cognizant of that should help you balance out the rest of your roster and create a competitive a competitive squad. So. Again, the names are awesome. The hype is there. You're getting all excited. You're building your team, but just be wary of that. And it should help you come out with a competitive squad at the end of the day. We've had a great series going on fantasylife.com. You guys can check out, but just kind of what to do from each different starting position. And we'll continue to pump those out here over the next few weeks. But have you kind of centered on a specific draft, draft spot that you prefer more than anything else, Chris? I still kind of maintain that that 104, 105 gives you the opportunity to start with a Cooper Cup or Tyreek Hill. Mm -hmm. And crazier things have happened. You can sometimes even get a Tony Pollard, Saquon Barkley type back in round two. But it's becoming harder and harder to do that. And I'm starting to look almost deeper into the the first round do you have that slot that you're really preferring right now yeah, i think four or five for me if i could okay. extend it a little bit farther it's like four to seven because yeah. any of those guys from like it's cup it's hill it's kelsey if i want to or if i can still get a strong running back in somebody like pollard that's about that range that i want to sit at i mean i don't want to have to make that decision about whether it's going to be i mean cmc jamar chase and like all those guys because like i was saying once you get back to the second round those options that you get towards there just aren't as juicy as the guys that you might have fall to you at the at the in the second round because we've seen guys like Saquon Barkley fall. And if you're into Garrett Wilson, Chris Olave, those wide receivers that are available towards the middle of the second, that's at least to me an easier way for me to start building my squad versus saying I've got the high highs of the uh, wide receiver running back position paired with a, let's say, just a lesser wide receiver running back combo at the back end of the second. My number three tip here for your fantasy drafts of all shapes and sizes, upside is everything. And how I'm relating this to fantasy drafts is once you guys are, you know, got done with the first 10 rounds, 120 players are off the board, you know, 
Every team construction is going to be different. We've talked about that a bit already, but those, as much as you can just get these handcuffed running backs and not waste your time with a second tight end or a second quarterback or these complimentary wide receivers like a Michael Gallup, like a Van Jefferson, like an MVS, not saying that they're not going to put together some okay weeks, but you are almost never going to feel overly good about starting them. So why even put them on the team in the first place? Chris, we have Tank Bigsby, Jalen Warren going in that same tier. A couple rounds later, not kind and closing fast. Kenneth Gamewell, the potential feature back for the Eagles, is there. Chuba Hubbard's there way late. Jerome Ford, yes, suffered that hamstring injury. Also, yes, still has several weeks to get ready for week one. I love him at the end of drafts right now. Devin Singletary, Zamir White, Jamal Williams, you know, Clyde Edwards Hilaire, your guy you've been putting us on. I'm not saying all those guys are going to be there in round 12, 13. Like, okay, mostly just Bigsby and Jalen Warren at that point. But really, you can find one of these handcuffed running backs in almost every single round from round 11 round 12 on and honestly chris that has helped shape my overall strategy where i'm really okay only having two or three running backs inside the first 10 rounds of drafts because we can get these guys who are pretty much all only one entry away from being on the cover of that you know monday waiver wire article um the next week so again upside is everything and in these later rounds no position offers more upside than these handcuffed running backs so why not do yourself a favor load up on wide receivers early don't be afraid to get an upside qb or tight end Get one or two running backs. You know, I don't want to be starting Tank Bigsby in week one. Let's not get too crazy now. But again, the upside for these handcuffed running backs late supersedes any other position out there. Yeah, and I think that's where it requires us to really dive into each of the like each of the backfields in their situations. Like, what are their projected touches? What does each running back do well? What are their strengths and weaknesses? And how we can project their touch share throughout the season? And I know it takes a little bit of wish casting. You know, wish casting. I think it takes a little bit of diving into some of the player profiles, those dynasty rookie profiles that are available on FantasyLife.com. Yeah. For a number of the guys that came out this season are available for you to take a look at what some of those strengths and weaknesses are for a lot of the prospects that have come into the NFL, but that's how we win leagues. That's how you get an edge on your league mates by going that extra step, doing a little bit of research and figuring out who is going to be that guy that might be able to pop and how they can be used. I mean, shoot, before I want to say it was around, let's say May, June, when we were first doing, when the Fantasy Life crew was doing our first like run of what were our best ball exposures mm -hmm. and everybody was talking about, oh, Kendry Miller, Kendry Miller, Kendry Miller. I'm going to be honest with y'all. I was one of the people that was like, well, why is everybody drafting Kendrick Miller? Like, what's the, what's the big deal? You know, hey, I mean, he's going to be, uh, he's, he's on the Saints, I know, and Alvin Kamara's there, but what's the big deal? After going through his rookie profile, looking at his athletic measurables, and just, again, just doing maybe 10 minutes of looking through. Like, I was like, oh, okay, I get it. All right, I'm with it. I, I'm with it now. Now I know that the current, you know, his current situation with the ankle injury, if I'm remembering correctly. Back at practice, four pads today, though. Awesome. That's yep. what that's what my best ball exposures need to hear right now. <laughs> no. But I mean, but that's the but that's the type of thing that can put you onto a player that you weren't that you weren't on beforehand. Helps give you a, a deeper knowledge base, so you know once you get into your drafts, those are the players that you want to target. Those are the guys that you, know, you just see the name and just like, well, I don't know anything about them. I think their team is going to suck because for the most part, people might think the Saints aren't going to be all that competitive like this season. Or, I mean, depending on which player or which team that you're talking about, it might not be a guy that you want to target. Shoot, take Michael Wilson for the Cardinals, for example. Everybody's out on the Cardinals this year. It's Colt McCoy under center. The roster is one of the worst in the league. Why would you want to target that wide receiver? But from all accounts, it looks like he's going to be the guy that's going to be starting in two wide receiver sets opposite Marquise Brown. 
So why wouldn't you want to target a guy that's going to be getting most of the snaps, most of the run, even if it is going to be a bad offense and he's going in the very last round or you're probably going to find him on your waiver wire. So to your point, I'm 100% with you, but just take the time if you can in order to find those guys that you want to target. Chris, on to tip number four here. You're talking about early round QB and tight end. Obviously, I have Travis Kelsey, Mark Andrews regularly going inside the top three rounds. And then we also have, you know, four quarterbacks going also, usually top three every now and then Lamar seeps into round four. But it really is a new phenomenon at QB. And I'll throw it over to you in just a sec. But I found this stat uh, yesterday because I was just like, man, it seems like almost like the Hurts and Allens of the world are dragging up the rest of the crew. And sure enough, right now, the QB six and fantasy football overall ADP is going to pick 45. The last four years, the overall QB six was going to pick 59, 63, 71, and 78. So, hey, new game. We got some ballers up there. I'm not saying you right. can't draft one of these, you know, top six QBs, but it's going to cost, you know, a premium pick more than ever, Chris. And using two early round picks on QB and tight end really leaves you in a tough spot at RB and wide receiver. And that's where I'm trying to at least let people know to just pick one. I understand like every year I'm one of those people that's like, oh yeah, I'm going to start, I'm going to figure it out with Gerald Everett and Pat Fryermuth and it, Noah Fant and then I'll just be cool. And then I run up against that team that's got Travis, uh, Travis Kelsey. I run up against a team that's got Mark Andrews and get absolutely dunked on. And similarly for quarterback, I used to write the quarterback streaming column for years telling people, oh, yeah, you can make it work. Shoot, Kirk Cousins, Geno Smith. Well, Geno Smith actually worked out for me last year, so that's fine by me. But all those guys, I mean, Ben Roethlisberger from years past. I mean, Tom Brady, before, you know, when he was like declining, all yeah. those guys, you could make it work with them. But then, of course, you run into Jalen Hurts last year, Patrick Mahomes for every year that he's been a starter, Lamar Jackson, you know, from a couple of years ago, not last year, obviously. But those guys, I mean, when those things happen cognitively, we always want to have like that, that reaction just like next year, screw it. I'm going to get Jalen Hurts. I'm going to get Lamar Jackson. I'm going to get Joe Burrow, whomever. And I'm just not going to have to worry about that position. I'm just going to set it and forget it. And I want to have a quarterback and tight end that's going to be awesome. But the thing that you have to worry about when you make those decisions, opportunity cost. Essentially, opportunity cost is understanding who you're giving up to take that player. Because remember, we have to start at least two running backs. And depending on which platform you're running on, at least three wide receivers. So if you have to draft, if you have to start at least five of those guys and you're taking one position, that's where you have to understand, like, that's where uh, drafting one of those guys allows, at least gives you a little less flexibility at the position. So if you're going to go early quarterback, early tight end, absolutely fine. I've been doing that myself. But when you do that, just acknowledge the fact that you're bypassing one of the wide receivers that's going in the second and third round that's going to lift your weekly floor. You're bypassing one of the running backs that once you get into the bye weeks, it's going to be harder and harder for you to manage that position. So it's going to require you to start taking shots on the Tank Bigsby's, the Lizamir yeah. Whites, to your point earlier. But when you do that, it's okay. But just and that's where, like I was saying earlier, your earlier decisions affect what your later decisions are going to be for your roster. And for quarterbacks specifically, in the piece that I wrote looking at the draft from the 103 position, historically, like, well, historically being over the past two seasons, I mean, quarterback scoring has been relatively flat. The guys that you're drafting in the, like, round two-ish, they averaged about, like, 23 points per game uh, on average. But the guys going in round five, almost two rounds later, just about 22 points. So you're not seeing that much of a decline. So if you're able to string out 
uh, you know, your roster a little bit farther. So instead of angling for Patrick Mahomes, Jalen Hurts, you get a Lamar Jackson, Justin Herbert. And you're still having getting a quarterback that's still in that top five discussion on a weekly basis, but your wide receivers and running backs are going to be stronger. So that's just something to consider like as you're building out your squad, especially in the early rounds where it's just so important to make the correct decision. And honestly, that goes right into tip number five that I got here. And, you know, the great Patrick Corain said it first. I've said it a million times after because Pat's a smart dude. You know, look at the Franken bank account already. Right. What yeah. can you get in this round that you can't get later? And again, that applies to the early round QBs where I'm not against taking a Josh Allen in round three if he is there. Well, where I will take him in round three is when I can't feel, I feel like I can get the other positions later when, you know, we already have Josh Jacobs off the board, Jonathan Taylor's off the board. And I say, okay, this is a pretty long tier of running backs I don't think the guys going in round four round five are that different than what's here I look at wide receiver Calvin Ridley and DK Metcalf are gone Amari Cooper and like Devo Samuel are the best wide receivers there not saying that they don't deserve to be ranked the highest but I think that wide receiver tier is really prolonged into the next two or three rounds and I know I can still get you know shots at them tight end if Mark Andrews off the board now all of a sudden I'm looking at these quarterbacks I'm looking at more likely every other position saying okay I can get the available players here at a reduce costs later i can't get these quarterbacks on the other side of the thumb though chris i mean if i see a ridley if i see a metcalf and i want them okay where can i get my high ceiling quarterbacks later i can get them in the form of deshaun watson anthony richardson daniel jones and your guy geno smith so i think the high ceiling qbs is a good note here i also think the inefficient rbs on bad offenses with great volume is something to look at as much as you might just want to fade this archetype altogether which i don't think is exactly the worst move when we see a Najee Harris at the round three, round four turn, spoiler, yeah, topping my fade list for this year. I think we all probably could have guessed that one. But when we see him going that early, man, again, I just don't see the allure of paying that sort of price tag when we have guys like James Conner and Rashad White, even Miles Sanders and Cam Akers going so much later. So I'm not saying Conner and White are guaranteed to beat out Najee and stuff, but the opportunity cost that's associated with them, not even close, man. So unless you just truly have a reason to believe that someone like Najee, someone like Miles Sanders or Cam Akers is just locked in so much different than these other running backs I'm talking about, then I would really advise to wait as much as you can there. And the last kind of archetype I think this fits in, tight ends with a legit chance to lead their offense and targets. Look, Pat brought up a lot of good points with Mark Andrews, but I'll be honest, Chris, when I look at him in round three and it's close, I say, why, why take Mark Andrews here when I can go ahead and get Darren Waller in round six or there round seven? So yep. one of those things where, hey, not a guarantee that Waller's going to beat out Andrews. Andrews is far too good to completely fade throughout the entire offseason. I have not been that guy. But again, just trying to look here. And if you're not taking Mark Andrews, zeroing in on those guys later so that you're not leaving yourself with a massive roster hole. Exactly. And I think that's where the balancing act that you have to play and understanding those specific positions and their specific situations associated with it. Because, yeah, Mark Andrews and Darren Waller is not the same as Mark Andrews. And let's see, who else is getting drafted around Waller? I mean, Kittle's starting to slide like into that particular yeah. area. I mean, if you want to slide like right past Waller, I think Goddard is going maybe like eh, roundish or so like after him. So it's like, Neither of those guys are the same, or nor nor can we project them for the same workload as Waller. So just to say that I'm going to take one of the quote-unquote middle class of tight ends, it's not the same thing. Waller is in a unique situation. Mark Andrews is, is in a unique situation with the offense that he's in. So that's where, going back to our previous point about understanding each of those players, the offense that they're on, their projected workload, 
putting in a little bit of that research, getting an edge on your league mates makes all the difference, man. Preparation. Don't leave home without it. And also, guys, one thing you do have to prepare for, get those last place punishments figured out. And if you're just, you know, struggling, can't figure it out, don't worry. Fancy Life has a brand new free tool to help you do just that. Sponsored by our lovely friends over at Buffalo Wild Wings. And um, Chris, I freaking love Buffalo Wild Wings. They have this Goose Island uh, house draft. $3 for a tall in this economy. It's freaking crazy. I go there freaking twice a week. You know, don't yeah. tell uh, don't tell the fiance. You know, I like to get out and have my have my lunches where I can just draft in there peace sometimes. But truly, guys, our new punishment generator. And if you're on YouTube now, we are screen sharing and pulling that up for you. But just so cool. We understand not everyone's trying to, you know, get super embarrassed out here. And you guys have different, you know, sorts of leagues that are trying to do different sorts of things. But we've really gone out of our way to account for all that. Got to be 18 years or older as you could imagine there's a little bit of legality stuff going on here right, but right, right. we have food or drink punishments physical activities public shame private shame and you can actually do a one through five how intense should it be and generate that punishment so chris uh one i tweeted out earlier that i enjoyed if you want to get intense with a physical activity 24 yeah. hour darkness retreat like aaron Rodgers. how about that oh i don't know if i could do that i <laughs> i'd probably be hearing things I'd come out talking in tongues or something like that. It'd be kind of wild. I don't know if I could stand being in 24 hours of darkness. I enjoy the private shame category too. You can hail to the winner, get a poster of the league winner and put it on your bedroom wall for the entire year. If you're more of a food or drink person, power hour, eat 12 blazing knockout hot wings at Buffalo Wild Wings in one hour. I mean, look, the punishments are across the board. We have, again, four distinct categories for it. As a league, you can decide how intense it should be. And then, you know, leave it up in the punishment generator. Again, Chris, I fantasy life. Everything's free. Everything's great. But we're trying to do more than just the rankings, just the content. Hey, we're doing we're doing rankings and content right now. Like we are not forgetting about that. But yeah. who else out there gives you a punishment generator? How cool is that? Right. I well, I gotta check and see. Does it have the one? Do you see the guy that flew around the United States oh. like in two days as a punishment for us? We need to make sure that, that one's in there because I thought that was pretty <laughs> dope. I wouldn't do it because I hate flying. But still, if you could do something like that, I think that would be pretty awesome too. So we have one that's pretty close to it where I think the, uh, it's not a flight, because let's face it, those are going to get pretty expensive, but right. it was, uh, you have to get on a bus and for like an entire day, no cell phone. All you can take is one of those old, you know, cameras that I don't like, um, I don't even know what to freaking call them. What, the Kodak cameras? Disposable cameras. Yes, a Kodak disposable camera. Because you got to prove that you took the bus, you know, at different stops. But holy, gets that one figured out. So again, guys, fancylife.com slash punishments. So many options. And again, shout out to our friends over at Buffalo Wild Wings. Love you. Love those wings. Great place to watch a game. Chris, number six here. You're talking about balancing RBs and your wide receivers. Talk a little more about this. Because, again, it's one of those things where I just said earlier, I do think, you know, taking a ton of those, you know, handcuff RBs in the later rounds has caused me to take less RBs in the early rounds. But I think more than anything, what you're trying to get out here is just, you know, what, as you said earlier, you know, your first round is going to change everything and just make sure you are paying enough attention to both of those positions throughout your draft. Exactly. And looking at some of the historical averages, like just between those two positions, because those are your core positions, you have to start the most at like running back and wide receiver compared to quarterback, tight end, and we don't care about defense and kickers. But <laughs> between those two, between those four positions, I mean, the running back and wide wide receiver position, they're the most important. We have to manage them through, uh, through the injuries, the bye weeks, I mean, all of that stuff. So 
I mean, taking the most swings at the wide receiver position, if you're in half point and full point PPR scoring settings, that makes the most sense. To your point, I like doing that because, like statistically speaking, they're the ones that are scoring the most. At like uh, round one, wide receivers are averaging almost like 19 to 20 points per game over the last two seasons. And it falls off. I mean, drops down to almost 16 and 15 as you fall out Ooh. like through the rest of the early rounds. So taking swings on those guys, absolutely understand like wanting to do that. But if you're working in half point and full point PPR uh, PPR leagues, I mean, some of those running backs are pretty good too. Like I was mentioned earlier, taking CMC in the first round, if you do have an early spot, Totally understand that. Austin Eckler, we were just talking about Pat Corain, just won our boy $2 million just Ooh. last year with all the targets that he was getting. So specific situations for those running backs, they will allow you, especially in the earlier rounds, they'll allow you to get close to those wide receivers. Round one, uh, round one running backs are averaging about 16 to 17 PPR points per game, but it drops off like a rock. So understanding like you can balance, kind of play that balancing game where if I get one of the round one, round two running backs. So I can get, at least have a solid floor, 16 to 17 PPR points per game. And then matching that with the guy that's going in, let's say the fourth, fifth round, because yeah. let's say a guy like Aaron Jones, his outlook might be similar to a guy like, especially at this point, Brees Hall. I mean, yeah. having to, you know, the backfield that he has to fight with, with Dalvin Cook, their outlooks are the same, but their ADPs are wildly different. Alexander Madison right now going in what? The fifth round? I mean, shoot, if I could pair him with any of the uh, running backs going in rounds one or two and also have three solid wide receivers or a quarterback like we were or tight end like we were talking earlier, that's where that balancing act starts to happen. So understanding the differences between the workloads, how those running backs accrue points, whether they're just explosive runners like Kenneth Walker or they're just shifty runners that are involved in the passing game like Aaron Jones. All of that stuff makes makes up for or makes it important to understand those situations in fantasy football. So again, that balancing act, I mean, it becomes much more important in the early rounds, but especially to your point earlier, once we get into the later rounds, understanding why Zamir White is important with the Josh yeah. Jacobs stuff, Tank Bigsby going up against Travis Etienne and his poor catching mechanics. I mean, all of that stuff becomes important, but taking those swings early can make the difference for your league. Everything you just said was accurate, Chris, except for one thing. We are going to be talking a little bit DST and kickers, oh, taking right. us to point yeah. number seven. And my point is don't draft a kicker or DST if you do not have to. Now, some leagues do physically force you to fill up those positions. But if not, guys, and again, this depends on when you're drafting. If it's September 5th and there's no more preseason going on, like, okay, we don't need to be getting too crazy here. Go ahead and take whoever you want there. But if not, we still have two more full weeks of preseason, two more full weeks of, you know, practices. My God, Chris, it's so scary looking at my notifications. Every day, we, you know, all thought we lost Traylon Burks for the season yesterday. Oh, there's yeah. more stuff going on today with uh you know ashton doolin you know tearing his acl injuries yeah. are a regular part of our game holdouts are a part of our game and right now there's a still a lot of value to be had in these final rounds guess what i promise you you will be able to find a kicker in a dst on the waiver wire who will be just fine in week one who you will not be able to find on the waiver wire in week one is zamir white if josh jacobs holdout ends up being an issue going into the season so a handful of running backs currently priced outside the top 170 overall picks that I truly believe are one injury or hold out away from having a lot of success. Tajay Spears, Derrick Henry's seemingly immediate handcuff on the Titans. Gus Edwards, things get a little bit wonkier in Baltimore. Again, final two round pick though. Josh J.K. Dobbins is back. Wouldn't prioritize him as much, but 
we have seen in past years Gus have a, you know, not featured role, but a true 1B role alongside Dobbins. Zamir White just mentioned him with Josh Jacobs. Chuba Hubbard, right now Miles Sanders oh, is dealing with that groin injury, and Chuba got all the first-team snaps alongside Bryce Young last week, and even Clyde Edwards-Solaire, as much as Isaiah Pacheco is getting back into action. Don't want to risk, don't want to, you know, not risk, uh, wish an injury on anyone. I love watching Isaiah Pacheco play football, but my God, Chris, he runs like a madman, which is a lot of freaking fun out there. Don't get me yeah. wrong, but already playing with a little bit of a shoulder injury, not ideal. Clyde Edwards Hilaire, if he's there in the final round of your draft, would 100% rather have him over a kicker. Take freaking Rico Dowdle over a kicker in your last <laughs> round. Again, a lot can go wrong. A lot will go wrong between now and week one. Don't be afraid to, again, just try to be on the right side of variance with some of these wonky injuries and the late, late, late handcuff RBs that you can find available. If you do have to draft a DST, I'm not going to tell you what kicker to draft. That's not in my contract. I'm just not going to do it, Chris. But if you do have to draft a DST, make it the Saints DST. 49ers and Eagles, I promise you, will go before the final round of your draft, before the final two rounds of your draft. I don't want to reach on defenses, and I would advise you guys not to as well. If they are there, okay, give me the 49ers and the Eagles. But if not, guys, give me the Saints. Their first six weeks of the season, Titans, Panthers, Packers, Buccaneers, Patriots, and Texans. If you can live with a home Thursday night matchup in Week 7 against the Jaguars, you also get the Colts and Bears after that. We're talking about not having to address a legitimately good real-life defense for the first nine weeks of the season, more or less. Sign me up for that in the last round of the draft, Chris. Right, and to your point, I mean, what are your thoughts on also picking up one of the third-string San Francisco running backs? What are you thinking, like Jordan Mason, TDP? I mean, with Elijah Mitchell already being banged up as well, that's another guy that you know is just going to be available, like super late, that you can pick up. So I'm, but I'm, I'm completely with you there. I mean, there's so much value that we just don't know is there at this mm -hmm. point because of so many situations that we just don't have an answer to at this point. I mean, what wide receiver groups are going to, uh, how the wide receiver groups going to shake out? I mean, shoot, look at the Giants. Outside of Jalen Hyatt and Darius Slayton, I mean, which which Giants wide receiver really want to target, if any, outside of Darren Waller? The, I mean, that situation, the Colts situation now with Ashton Dooling going down for the season, of course, it's going to be Michael Pittman, but outside of that, who else do we really want to target? The Bucks situation. I mean, Mike Evans, Chris Godwin, but they lost Russell Gage for the season. So if there's a third wide receiver, if we want to toss into our flex at some point, but there's just so many untapped situations that we need to figure out stashing one of these guys, seeing how the first few weeks plays out and then dropping them and then addressing any one of our DST or kicker positions. I'm hundred percent with you. Aaron Williams, Leonard Fournette could sign yeah. somewhere and just immediately boom up the ranks. Maybe my guy Cordero Patterson has a more featured role on offense than we're yeah. expecting. Ty Chandler, seemingly the handcuff in Minnesota right now. Again, guys, could all these not work out? Sure. So you cut them before week one and fill it. I think it's a near zero risk, you know, proposition with far more upside than you would see by just simply drafting a kicker or DST if you have to. So look at that, Chris. You know, I was able to kind of almost rationally, like, and not just slander kickers for like an entire five minutes there. Uh, but yeah, guys, come on. Don't play in leagues with kickers. What the hell are we doing over here? It couldn't go the whole time. You know how it goes. Yeah. Eighth, eighth tip from your boys, Chris and Ian here. This one is from Chris. Late round darts, Chris. Aren't just darts. Explain. Yeah, because I think once we get into the late rounds, we'll just start throwing. Uh, we'll just pick a name. We'll see a guy we recognize or whatever. And sometimes it's good, right? Sometimes you 
wind up drafting a guy like Tyquan Thornton and you win $2 million like Pat Corain did last year. Not to How many say times Pat can Corain. we mention the $2 million dollar winner, up. Pat Corain? No, I we love that. got to give it to man. Uh, I mean, legendary upside, like go and check it out. Free spot, like in the in the newsletter earlier today, but check out his work whenever you can. Good dude, good dude. But uh, guys like that, I mean, the players that are going in the later rounds, the rookies, the the guys that are just, we don't know their situations, but we saw they had some hype throughout the draft process, maybe a little bit of hype throughout camp, but afterwards don't have enough. Like Michael Wilson that I was talking about earlier, but it's not just, we're not just drafting these guys on a whim and it's not just based off of vibes. Uh, one of the, uh, I just wrote a late round wide receiver piece that should be dropping, I think tomorrow, if I'm remembering correctly. I uh, just looked at the wide receiver position and the late round guys that have popped. And a lot of them have been those Deshaun Jackson archetypes, the guys that have like the higher A dots, like over a 10 yard average depth of target, or they've been a part, they've been the interior or slot receivers, but they've just been a part of obscure situations. Like remember, what was it? 2021, Devontae Adams goes to Las Vegas. Yep. And there's all the hype train about Derek Carr connecting with his old college wide receiver. They got Darren Waller. It's just going to be this awesome, awesome, I mean, passing game. But then, of course, it was the little slot guy, Hunter Renfro, that nobody really thought about and still dra being drafted in the 14th, 15th round of best ball leagues that wound up being the guy, right? It was like their version of Cooper Cup, more or less, because his route running skills was ridiculous. So it's just those types of players. And for this year, I mean, the one that I'm really been honing in on is Jaden Reed out of the out of Green Bay. I see. I, Matt Harmon, noted wide receiver specialist, also got to hang out for, with him a little bit at the Expo this past weekend. I mean, he's been proclaiming that he would not be surprised seeing I mean, Jaden Reed be the lead wide receiver like for the Ooh. Packers by the end of this season. I mean, looking at some of his stats when he was coming out of college, I mean, seeing how he's already fitting into the offense, I mean, the camp buzz has been nothing but he's going to be their starting slot wide receiver with Christian Watson uh, performing as their Z. Got Romeo Dobbs on the opposite side as the X. I mean, I'm hyped about Luke Musgrave, but of course, you know, tight end rookies, you know, who's to say? But if there's going to be a wide receiver out of this group that, again, fits into that obscure, working out of the slot type of role, also on an offense that we're, we just don't know how it's going to go with Jordan Love. I mean, Jaden Reed fits into that archetype as of right now. I mean, if, and of course, and also when I was talking about Michael Wilson earlier, last year, uh, coming, out of, coming out of college, average at the target, just over 10 yards, Going to play, like I said, the X receiver opposite Marquise Brown. Again, another guy that you can pick up for free. It might even be on your waiver wire. But again, if these guys are going to be earning targets in their respective offenses, why not try and, and scoop them up, see how the season progresses, and then you're the one that's getting all the value based off of drafting, drafting a guy with no risk associated with them. Love that Jaden recall. Got the honorable mention next to Tajay Spears for my favorite pick in round 15 of Fantasy Drafts. You can check out that article on fantasylife.com. Also have an 18-minute YouTube video being published, I believe, today on that as well. So good stuff there, Mr. Chris. Can we talk real quick, though? Like, can we chill the hell out on Luke Musgrave? I get it. He's got a nice role. He shouldn't be going in the final round of drafts. But, like, I think this is, like, a niche best ball thing to like take yeah. him around 16 or something and like i just think people are starting to like think this dude is going to be someone ranking inside the top 10 still an offense led by jordan love they also used a third round pick on tucker craft like i'm not mm -hmm. completely convinced that musgrave is just going to be on the field and never leaving it and also what happened to all the film grinders telling us how mid he was for the entire you know lead up in the draft and everything are we just completely uh, saying no screw 
Screw everything we saw in college. Look at what the Packers beat reporters are telling us from training camp in an offense with less proven, you know, pass catches than pretty much anyone out there. So should Luke Musgrave have been, you know, a deep 18th round pick? No, I can admit that. But Chris, the hysteria is getting out of control. Come on now. Right. I'm more concerned. I'm more concerned with the the wide receivers and the running backs. I've been targeting Christian Watson, what I can get him at cost. Jaden Reed, obviously, he's probably one of my highest exposure guys, especially out of the late rounds. And of course, like Aaron Jones and AJ Dillon, depending yep. on like what my build is. It's been those guys. Right. I, I love those guys. And then Musgrave, if you're doing a three tight end build, but this is all for best ball, I wouldn't cons really consider even Musgrave being a tight end streamer at this point. I need to see more out of what this offense is going to look like before I would even consider having him either on my roster and definitely in my starting lineup. Yeah, it's just these things where I get annoyed when everyone's hyping it up and then it's like, oh, where do you have him ranked? Oh, tight end 19. Okay, that's the guy you're freaking going crazy about right now. Okay, chill. But all right, guys, tip number nine here. Might be self-explanatory, but do it. Take an extra five minutes and review your scoring and roster settings before the draft, especially if you're like Chris and I and you're in a bunch of these leagues. I'm not going to name names, but, you know, I'm in several of these, you know, fancy experts drafts. And I was in one last year where I had picked 102, Superflex League, and Jonathan Taylor went first. And, you know, I scooped up Josh Ooh. Allen, but was talking to the guy later, and I was like, man, Jonathan Taylor over these quarterbacks. Like, are you just, are you feeling that good about it? Have you been doing this a lot? He looks me right in the eye and just like, yeah, honestly, man, I didn't know it was a super flex draft. Like I just messed up on that, messed up on that big time. And I'll tell you who didn't win the league that year, the man who took a running back at 101 in a super flex. So whether you got a third round reversal, you know, maybe you got tight end premium scoring, maybe there's like, you can only start one or two running backs in the league, or maybe you can, you, you're allowed to start five wide receivers or some madness. There are tons of factors that can turn a draft upside down in a hurry. And as you know, my favorite UFC commentator, John Anik once said, preparation is the number one thing that I can control. There's no one to blame but yourself if you don't know your league's, you know, rules and scoring settings, Chris. So the the offseason is here to bitch about that, to try to get rules changed and stuff. But again, no one to point that finger at other than the man in the mirror if you're making mistakes when it comes time on draft day. So again, five minutes, review the scoring settings and roster settings. Don't screw up your draft because you couldn't take an extra five minutes to find out what's going on. Look, I mean, we've all been prone to making bad mistakes during drafts. I remember here in there. there. I, 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 I know a guy that might have drafted Tyler Boyd in like the fifth round, like earlier this offseason <laughs> during a best ball draft. I, the Q I, monster, I, the Q monster. I, I might have seen it happen once or twice. I mean, we've all <laughs> we've all been there. But to, I mean, to your point, I mean, there there should be a, like it's just like you said that five minutes beforehand. You don't have to do all the research and film grinding like we're talking about for the players, but just to make sure once you get into that draft lobby you're ready to go and you know the positional value of each of those guys because the scoring settings affect some of those guys even something as simple as it's six points for a passing touchdown versus four points for a passing touchdown because that equalizes the you know the scramblers the rushers sure. the guys like Lamar Jackson so it's just like that's where that stuff becomes important it's not going to completely change everything but it's that edge that will help you make those decisions and especially for uh, scoring settings that affect the quarterback position all the more important so take that time if you can six point passing touchdowns a great call out there my friend final tip here number 10 chris when you're streaming positions check the schedule that's why we're drafting the saints in the last round and that's exactly what you should be doing at quarterbacks as well particularly in the start of the season where we have four four weeks without the buys no we aren't completely sure how you know good every single defense and honestly how good every single offense is going to be but when we can find some extremes one way or another man not a bad idea to take advantage of that 
Yeah, because I know a lot of folks will look at, like the quarterback streaming is one of the easiest ones to look at, right? Because you'll say, oh, I'm just not going to get, you know, I got Mark Andrews or I got my elite tight end. I've got this strong roster and I'll just take, uh, I'll take Ryan Tannehill, right? It's been a solid streamer for years. Uh, the, the Titans play the Saints in week one, so I don't know if that's the best way you want to go about that. Oh, okay, well, all right, um, I, I'll take I'll take Jared Goff. I mean, everybody loves the Lions, right? I mean, I know Jamison Williams kind of messed banged up right now, but I'm on I'm on Ross St. Brown. I love all the rest of that. I love all the rest of their pass catchers. It should be fine. Well, they play the Chiefs in week one, so you should probably and Arrowhead in Arrowhead. So you should probably think about that too. Figuring out who the right streamer is going to be, whether it be a quarterback or tight end or whatever, just requires a little bit of heads up, taking a look at the schedule. And to your point earlier, uh, thinking about some of the potential streamers, if you want to go at the quarterback position, you mentioned Russell Wilson. Who does Russ play? Who does Denver play in week one? They play the Raiders. If you don't think that Russ should be able to walk out of there with at least a floor output, right? That's, I'm taking like 15, 16, 17 points somewhere in there then stay away. Otherwise, for the most part, he should have a decent game going against the Raiders defense. That's been not so great the past couple of years. So like, that's at least one example there where it's just looking at the schedule should be able to put you on a better path than just saying, I'll just grab one of the late round quarterbacks because there's a slew of them this year as they are every year. Kenny Pickett, Sam Howell, actually Sam Howell plays against the Cardinals in week one at home. So that might not be a bad guy to stream Ooh. if you want to, if you want to go there with Howell. But Either way, taking a look at the schedule for the first two to three weeks will at least give you a better idea of which strategy or how you want to implement your streaming strategy. And honestly, that applies once the season gets going as well. I mean, believe me, we'll have you guys, you know, we'll have these podcasts, we'll have tweets, we'll have articles breaking down the top streamers throughout the season, just looking ahead into, you know, four or five weeks at a time uh, of that nature, trying to find some good buy low trade targets is another situation where uh, I think the schedules are really underrated at times. But yeah, and Chris, I think all 10 of these tips lead to the ultimate goal. Have fun. And how do you have fun? By winning the freaking championship. So yeah. go out there. Don't be afraid to be great. Don't be afraid to make a great pick and just have fun overall, man. So Chris, great stuff. Again, people can find all of your work for free over fancylife.com. But what we got going on this weekend, man? I'm guessing uh, no more card games till 4 a.m. No more card games, but this weekend is my homebrew competition. So I'll Ooh. be down in Cincinnati. I forget what the name of the campground is, but it's called Beer and Sweat. Every year, uh, Joey Brumley and I, Joey Brumley is the owner of HBYOB, Home Brew Your Own Beer. That's on the south side of Dayton. We go down every year, try and represent for the Dayton area, have a few beers, talk with a few more, you know, homebrewing nerds like ourselves, and, but you know, hopefully walk away with an award or two. Last year I won for, uh, it won the IPA category. I was first place there. Joey walked out with second best in show for all categories, so we had a good time. Let's see if we can run it back, uh, run it back this year. So I've got two beers. I've got an orange-flavored uh, hazy IPA. I just kegged that up yesterday, force-carving nice. it for like five minutes last night. Hopefully that'll be ready to go. Then also I've got a honey blonde ale. I still have to keg that one. I'll keg that one up tonight. Hopefully that will be ready to go too in time because your boy's been working traveling doing all sorts of stuff so homebrewing has been kind of kicked to the side a little bit but either way it should be a fun weekend being able to hang out with some other folks that are into the hobby and uh yeah man it should be it should be a good time for sure what about you 
Let's just take a second, everyone, and just respect how freaking cool Chris is. Did you just hear how he's spending his weekend? Go winning first place at a brewing conference. You are my hero, good sir, and I love sharing this podcast with you. Uh, this weekend, I got my home league draft in Chicago. Otherwise, I'd probably be oh, you know, yeah. asking if I could go with you uh, there to that uh, awesome brew conference. But yeah, I'm not sure if we're drafting. We, we got a boat for Saturday. I'm not sure if we're drafting on the boat. That might be a little ill-advised. Might Ooh, be doing it yeah. a little before that. But yep, got the eight-man home league with all the college buddies you know the group That's me i'm bad. most involved with throughout the year all of us getting together you know we got me coming from ohio my buddy mikey from florida even ben from north carolina so bunch of guys you know we all did go to college back in chicago back in the day so getting there and uh you know hopefully kicking their asses chris but it's a little bit harder in eight man when every damn team is so loaded um we were uh talking today and i said you know why are we gonna have screens there why are we gonna have phones and stuff like let's just do it off memory or paper and i was yeah. uh quickly shot down when they uh, alerted me that not everyone has 12 hours to research fantasy football stuff what? every single uh, day so they should get on our level them. yeah listen yeah, to us right. and just do a little bit of research right just do a little bit not a lot not 12 hours just a little bit just haters chris that's what they all are yeah. haters and i'm looking forward to you know respectfully or maybe disrespectfully just beating their freaking ass for the next second and then hit minutes. them with that punishment generator after the league is done and then hit him with the punishment generator. I love it. I love you, Chris. And I love you listeners out there as well. I want to thank you guys again for tuning in to the Fantasy Life Podcast. For Chris, I'm Ian. Thanks again. Until next time, take care, everybody.